2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we'll be this morning, and I want to say welcome to everybody. Uh, Today is the Lord's Day. Actually, every day is the Lord's Day, isn't it? But today is that special day we gather. It's the first day of the week. We forget that. Sometimes we feel like Monday's the first day of the week. Sunday's the first day of the week, and we get to start our week rightly by worshiping the Lord together. First thing, first day of the week, sets the tone for the rest of the week. Uh, and of course, I, I have issues, so I have to go in the middle of the week too and worship the Lord because, I don't know, I tend to run out of steam about Wednesday and that Wednesday night Bible study or Tuesday night Bible study or some home group can help to give you that push through uh, receiving hugs, receiving love, getting back in the Word together, and just to keep you going, because life is tough, isn't it? So, but we have uh, the Holy Spirit, and we have the Word of God empowering us to live a godly life uh, in this present age. So, let's get Bibles into everybody's hands. If you didn't bring a Bible, put your hand up. If you forgot to grab one on the way in, put your hand up. I think they're on sale today, five ninety nine. They come with a set of knives today. Uh, <laughs> No, that's just, I'm just kidding. Put your hand up and the guys in the back will bring them to you. Hand up nice and high, Second Timothy chapter 4. Uh, and truly, if you need a Bible, then please feel free to keep the one that we give to you. Just make sure you uh, read it. Uh, they say seven days without the Bible makes one week. You'll figure that out on the way home. One final thing that I will mention, and I meant to mention it, a couple weeks ago, just thinking about when we had our Easter service, that during the Easter service, there was a whole group of people that were willing to sacrifice the opportunity to be here with us in big church or adult church because they're ministering to your kids and to my kids. And so um, make sure when you pick up your kids, when you drop off your kids, you just give those children workers uh, a, a thank you because it's hard to not be here on a regular basis because there's a, there's a lot of fellowship and things that happen here as we share with one another and we go through the word together. And they really, they, now they'll tell you it's no sacrifice at all. They'll tell you that you guys are missing out because working with the kids is pretty awesome. But uh, nonetheless, it, they do pour themselves out down there for the kids. And, and I think that deserves a, a good thank you from the parents so that you can be here feeding on the word and preparing yourselves for the week ahead. True? Amen. Amen. Let's pray and we'll get into 2 Timothy chapter 4. Father, here we are, Lord, just in your presence, in the presence of one another, enjoying your word, getting to soak in it, um, enjoying worship time. Father, just preparing uh, for the things that lie ahead this week that only you know about, Lord. And I pray that, that uh, you'd be preparing our hearts for adversity. You'd be preparing our hearts uh, for blessing. You'd be preparing our hearts for whatever has to come our way, Lord, that you'd, you'd help us to live out your character through our lives. We acknowledge to you this morning, Lord, that our lives are not our own, that we've been bought with a price, that our lips are your lips and our hands are your hands and our feet are your feet and our mind is your mind, I pray, Lord. And we know that we're being transformed from one level of glory to even greater glory as we continually get into your presence. Lord, we know you've started a work in us and you'll bring it to to completion and we look forward to that day. So here we are, Lord. Have your way in us. Get your word deep down inside of us. I pray for any hard hearts this morning. Anybody who's here that came in with a hard heart, 
uh, unwilling, unyielding, Lord. I pray that through this service time today that your word would soften the hardest heart. Just like we read, Lord, that your word would be like a hammer that even breaks the rock. Lord, have your way in us once again. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Well, today will be our last day in uh, 2 Timothy. We have spent a number of weeks going through this letter. We'll start uh, Titus in two weeks. We have something special scheduled for next weekend, and I would encourage you to be here to hear uh, a special guest speaker. Uh, But then we'll start Titus the week after that. But for today, we're in the last number of verses starting in in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. We'll start in verse 6 and go on to the end. Um, The the letter from Paul to Timothy, a very personal letter, uh, Paul writing from a Roman dungeon, as many of you already know, uh, facing the end of his life and understanding that uh, that this is is the end for him, or at least it's close. Uh, So he writes some very important things to Timothy, and the letter crescendos back there at the beginning of chapter 4, where he says to Timothy, preach the word. That's kind of his last command, his last injunction to this young preacher. Timothy, preach the word. Why? Because the word is inspired by God. There's a whole lot of man-inspired speaking and teaching out there. But only from the word of God do we get God's inspired words. And that's worth spending some time on. That's worth spending time on for you and for me. So Timothy, preach the word. And now... He kind of brings things to a close with some final, uh, really, reflections on on life. Some reflections on life. So I called this this sermon today the finish line. The finish line. So he says, verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's, again, facing execution. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. He, uh, that's not something that would be familiar to us, a drink offering really means a, a, a liquid offering, oftentimes wine or something that would be uh, poured out onto the offering that was being offered to the gods. So Paul says, Look, I'm not being, it's not just that I'm being executed by the Romans. I'm being poured out as an offering. My life is an offering to God. This is how he viewed his life, an offering to God. And his, the illustrations that he uses through this are, are fantastic. Paul must have been a fan of athletics, of the Olympic Games for sure. Uh, and he makes a lot of references. But before we talk about having run the race, having uh, finished the race and fought the fight, I want to ask you guys a question. Um, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? Just think about that for a second. What's your greatest accomplishment? Maybe it was a, a program of study that you engaged in, getting a certain degree, or maybe it was a project at work, or maybe it was an athletic event, something you did where you really pushed yourself and, and you had to work hard at it and you accomplished it. Can you think of something in your life that was your greatest accomplishment? What did it take to get there? How much Did it take sacrifice to get to that, that point? Did it take some hard work? Were there times you felt like giving up? 
But then how did you feel on that day when you got the diploma? Or, or when you, you, you finished the task? When you presented that presentation? Do you have a great f- feeling of accomplishment? That's how Paul feels about his life. He says, and when he looks back on his life, he says, my, my, the time of my departure at hand. So the first thing you can write down is by that word departure, if you'd like to take notes, you can write free. Free. This is how Paul viewed death. He says, the time of my departure, it's the word in Greek that means to set loose. And it's an interesting word because it has a number of usages in the Greek language that we would not be familiar with uh, because we don't know Greek. So that's why I'm going to help you out with this. Number one, it's uh, the word that's used when you're camping and you pull up, you untie the, the tent from the stakes that are keeping it connected to the earth, that are tying it down. So in one way, Paul's saying, death for me is like being set loose from this earth. The second thing is like a ship that's docked and, and is tied up to its moorings. And then when, you would, when that ship was going to set sail to another location, you'd have to untie it so it could sail. It would have to be set free to travel. And Paul says, that's, that's another way you could look at this. I'm, for me, death is... is a departure in that I'm being set free to go to the place that uh, my father has prepared for me. Matter of fact, uh, Paul actually looked forward to it. Remember back in Philippians, when Paul was writing to Philippians, he said, I'm not sure, you know, on one hand, it would, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's how Paul viewed it. We, we don't view it that way. Even us as Christians, we struggle with viewing death that way. Because we're somehow so tightly tied to this earth. And I understand that. Relationships are important to us. And, but some, for some people it's things and, and enjoyment and all that. And Paul, didn't, he didn't wrestle with that, that tying to the earth. He was ready to be set loose because he knew where he was going. And he said, to live is Christ, yes, but to die is gain. And he said, on one hand, I'd rather depart. And he uses the same word in Philippians 1. For me, it's better to depart so that I can be with Christ. But for you guys, he said to the Philippians, it's better that I stay here. There's still a job for me to do here. So it could be a tent being loosened from the, the earth, from the ground. could be a ship being loosed from its moorings. I like this one. It's also the word used of an, a beast of burden, an ox or a donkey, that's unhitched or unyoked uh, from the plow. So it's a freedom from, from the work. It's a time for rest. And that's how Paul viewed it. So he says, my de- the time of my departure is at hand. And now he looks back on his life. And he's speaking sort of in the past tense. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The word fighting the good fight, again, Olympics, he's got in mind here, is wrestling. Ag- it's the word agon. Uh, in Greek, which is where we get the word agonize. He doesn't say, you know, the time my departure's at hand, life's been a parade. It's been a real smooth path. Boy, things have been so easy as a Christian. Is that what? No, he says, man, it was a wrestling match, my life. It was agonizing at times. And we know that life can be that way. Especially we fight this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And... and and the, the dangerous thing is when you stop fighting. That's what scares me about the world we live in. 
Look, I'll be the first one in line to say I wrestle against sin in my life. But that's the important part is that I am wrestling against it. That I know it's there. I call it what it is. The danger in your life, in, in our world, is when we stop calling sin, sin. And we say, well, it's a lifestyle or it's a choice or it's a habit. It's sin. Because once we start justifying it, then we stop fighting it. And that's when we start losing. So Paul says, but it's not just flesh and spirit. It's the battle against opposition. You know Paul's life. He fought against a lot of opposition. He'd been given a task to do. He'd been given a a message to carry. And he was going to do that faithfully. I fought the good fight. I like this one. I have finished the race. Anybody here competitive in athletics understands that a lot of people start the race. I mean, talking about the race is glamorous. Telling people you're going to run a race is very exciting. Hey, I'm going to do this race. I'm going to accomplish this thing. Oh, isn't that so cool? Boy, you must be in really good shape. That's wonderful. And then about halfway, you conk out and give up and never finish. A lot of people start the race. But not everybody finishes. And here's the thing I know about athletics, and I've been involved with athletics as many as you have. And there are times in the middle of that race where you start to, your mind starts to go crazy and you start thinking, why am I doing this anyway? <laughs> what, you, know, there's, you see, you're, ru- you're running past people on the, on the sidelines and, and they're just sitting there eating ice cream cones, you know, and you're sweating it out and you're going, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And you're going, you know, that ice cream cone is looking pretty good right now. I really, well, I'm getting kind of tired. So. And you begin to wonder, why am I running this race anyway when I could just, I could go rest and be done? Yesterday, we had, uh, there's a young girl that spends some time with our family on the weekends, and she and a friend were over, and they wanted to go down to the creek. We have this big creek behind our house, and, and they wanted to go walk down to the creek, and so we, they took their shoes off, and they were going to cross over from one side to the other, and they started out, and oh, and the, the water's cold, you know, the rocks are slippery, and, so they, and then they'd come back, and then they'd start again and get a little farther, and then they'd come back, and they, but they kept at it, and eventually, you know what, they made it across. They slipped on a few rocks. The current was pretty strong. There were little creatures in the, in the creek there that were kind of scary to them. Uh, but they made it across. And when they made it across, they were so happy that they had made it. It was a real feeling of accomplishment for them. And life is kind of like that. You know, there's, relationships can be slippery. Uh, there's a current in the world that wants to carry us away. The water's cold. I mean, sometimes the earth can be a cold place. But they stuck with it and they made it to the other side. And that's when they celebrated, when they made it. And that's what Paul's saying. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. What a sense of accomplishment the Apostle Paul had. You know, because right now, a lot of you guys are running. And some of you are questioning whether it's worth it. Some of you are questioning, you know, why am I doing this? Why, you know, it'd be easier to do this. It'd be easier to do that. It will be so worth it on that day. What day? The day Paul talks about. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I was talking to Jacob on the way here, you know, just bouncing some things off of him. And we were just talking about the fact that heaven is not filled with people that started the race, but people that finished. People that counted the cost and were committed to the Lord through whatever. And I appreciate what some of you have to go through in your own homes to keep the faith. Paul says, I have kept 
the faith. He carried that faith all the way through his life. Don't you want to say that at the end of your What about those people that drop off in the middle and then it comes time for the rewards, for the award ceremony? And they have to watch as other people who stuck it out. I don't care if you have to walk or limp to the finish line. And you've seen people like that. You know, we've seen that in the Olympics where people that have spent everything and they're barely able to even walk in like the Ironman triathlete and they're just kind of hobbling across the finish line. But they crossed. Crawl across if you have to. Limp across. Have someone help carry you across. And that's what Jesus just, that's all of us. We're just kind of laying in Jesus' arms and there he is running and he's carrying us across the finish line. Just grabbing onto him, you know. Like Jacob, you remember the story of Jacob at the river Jabbok and the man, this, the, the angel of God comes and, and wrestles with him and, and he won't let go. He's, you know, he, it seems like he's winning. Jacob is beating Jesus. It's, it's a, a vision of Jesus or pre-incarnate Jesus and it seems like Jacob is winning and then you know, the angel just touches his hip and knocks his hip out of socket and, and yet he won't let go. He says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And that's how some of us have to be. Uh, Lord, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. I'm not letting go. When you're tempted to let go, I'm not letting go, Lord, until I see the blessing. <clears throat> I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. And then he says, finally, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, the, the Olympic crown, the Stephanos, the, the olive branches, which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day. See, Paul knows that there comes a time for the, uh, the award ceremony. And that's what he's looking forward to. Sometimes we say it's just about the journey, and the journey is important, but man, the destination is pretty important too. Otherwise, I mean, what keeps you going? What, what keeps you, why do you endure the things that you endure if it's not going to be an awesome reward on that day, if there's not going to be that reward, this, this crown of righteousness, we've made it, we've kept it, we've finished, and now we get to rest, and now we get to be free of sin. We get to be free of the sin and the effects in our lives, the effects in our world, all of that. And, and the Lord is a righteous judge, and he's the one Whose opinion matters in your life? And Paul says, not just to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Are you looking forward to Jesus coming back? You you can't wait till that day when it's for you which which kind of rewards you're going to get. You know, everybody, it's like, okay, gold medal, bronze medal. So it doesn't matter to me just that I'm there at the award ceremony is good for me. I'm okay with that. But some people will face a different judgment. They'll face the white throne judgment. And so there will be, Paul recognizes, a day when the Lord will, uh, will judge in righteousness. He will do what's right. And we wonder, you know, oh, what's going to happen about this? Or how's the Lord going to handle that? I don't know, but I know he's a righteous judge. He, we, no one's going to argue with his judgment, with what he says. So, and that's Timothy, that's not just for me, and this is an encouragement to Timothy to do what? To stick it out. Now, uh, Paul is finishing his race, but others are still running. Look at verse 9, he says to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. 
For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. We read a little bit about Demas in some other places. In in one place he's called, uh, I believe, a a servant. Uh, Then another place he's just mentioned by name. And here we see how maybe Demas' life has changed. Here we find out that he has forsaken Paul. That really, the word forsaken means to leave in a lurch, to leave high and dry. Paul says, Demas left me high and dry. Why? Because he loved this present world. I wonder what Demas, you know, we don't read any letters from Demas. We don't know what Demas' perspective is on this. Demas likely would have been justifying his decision. Oh, no, no, here, here's why I did it. I did, I, and just, we're all good at justifying ourselves, aren't we? But Paul says, no, here's the deal, Demas, you love the world. You love this present world. And the, the word is literally now. Demas loved now. Demas lived for now. That's what mattered to him. So Demas was running just in the wrong direction. One of my favorite quotes is, is uh, as, as a coach especially, it doesn't matter how fast you're running with the ball if you're running in the wrong direction. That was Demas. He was running fast. He had things to do. He had people to see and places to go. He was ambitious just for the wrong things. He loved. Would that be said of you? I mean, I know there are people that started well, that were serving the Lord, but then, you know, we, we want our cake and eat it too, don't we, Americans? <laughs> we, we're so, we, we want to know what's on every channel. We don't want to miss anything that might be good. So we flip and we surf and all the channels and we got all... Demas wanted, there was something attractive to him about the, what the world had to offer. And so that's what Paul says of Demas. He loved this present world. That's a real challenge for the youth today too. And I'll say this to the youth that are in here. The, the world is very alluring, isn't it? Isn't it, guys? There's some alluring to the world. It's very presently tempting. But ultimately, it doesn't lead to anything spiritual. It doesn't lead to, and it doesn't lead you to finish the race strong. The world eats people up and spits them out. So that was uh, Demas. We don't know what was in Thessalonica for him, but nonetheless, that's what Paul says. Crescens uh, went to Galatia. Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Luke was the physician that accompanied Paul and was a good friend to him. Took care of him physically, no doubt. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Uh, This is Mark, who is John Mark. This is an interesting passage that uh, if you read the book of Acts, you'll find out that John Mark and his family had a very prominent place in the early church. But, uh, and John Mark had accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. But you know what happened? Somewhere along the way, he got cold feet and turned back to Jerusalem. And then when it came time to travel again, John Mark's uh, relative Barnabas said, well, let's take John Mark again. And Paul said, no way. I'm not taking that kid. He was a young man. He, he backed out last time. I don't have time for that. We can't, we can't risk that. And so it caused a division between uh, Paul then took Silas and went on a mission trip and Barnabas took John Mark. And I think the kudos really here go to uh, Barnabas for continuing to disciple his young relative because now we read at the end of Paul's life, he says, go get Mark. He's a useful guy to have around. So evidently, you know, hey, when John Mark was young, he made some decisions. He was a little bit scared or whatever happened, and he was able to recover and get back in the game. 
And now we see Paul saying, hey, go get him. I want to see him. He's useful. Are you useful? Just to, are, are, would that be said of you? Go get so-and-so. They're really useful to have around. Just a question. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus, no doubt covering for Timothy, because Paul is now asking Timothy to come to him in Rome, so not to leave the church in a lurch. Paul sends Tychicus to take Timothy's spot there in Ephesus. He says, verse 13, bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. So this cloak that he's speaking of would have been made out of like goatskin, sort of a heavy winter coat and it was uh, there was a hole in the neck area and it was kind of like a cape and no doubt paul was feeling the cold weather uh, the cold conditions in his ju- in his dungeon imprisonment and asking timothy to bring with him this coat for warmth he had left that <clears throat> somewhere else timothy can you grab that and also he says the books or the biblos which is uh, papyrus the papyrus books very possibly um some some of the the letters that are part of the New Testament, um, and especially the parchments, those would be the animal skins, possibly his Hebrew scrolls, the, the Old Testament. Uh, and in his last days, Paul says, I want something to, to occupy my mind. I want to be occupied with the Word of God. Now, we don't know that for sure, but that's quite likely. Alexander, verse 14, the coppersmith did me much harm. We have those people in our lives, don't we? The, literally a metal smith, we don't know, not necessarily copper, but Alexander um, was mentioned, I think, back in 1 Timothy as well. Hymenaeus and Alexander. He says, Paul says, he did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware, uh, beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. So evidently, uh, just as in your life, there are some that uh, oppose you uh, to a greater degree than others. Maybe you have a person like that. And, and you know, rather than saying, hey, Timothy, go get him for me, would you? Put out a hit on him. No, he says, may the Lord repay. The Lord will take care of that. The, the Lord will measure back to him the way he has measured it out to the Lord. And I, as I watch the YouTube videos and I watch all of the stuff that the, the, the uh, people that write against Christ, against Christianity, I feel for him. We're coming against the Lord that way um, and, and against and confusing God's people. <clears throat> the Lord will take care of that. Verse 16, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. So Paul is reflecting on the fact that he's about, he, he's uh, standing trial there in Rome and there would be a preliminary hearing where he would be um, evaluated, sentenced possibly. And he says, you know, when I, when I stood there, possibly in front of Nero, uh, I was alone. All forsook me. You ever feel alone? You ever find ministry can sometimes be a lonely place? Like you're called to do something and you feel like everybody ought to be behind you, but all of a sudden, it's just you. And, and that can make people, you know how many people have left the church because they felt like you know, no one cared? Or no one was there for them in their time of need. Well, I was in the hospital, or I had a surgery, or my family needed something, and, and, and all forsook me, so that's it, I'm done. You ever been tempted to say that yourself? Paul says, hey, I know how you feel. Even the great apostle Paul. To, to stand with Paul at that time would have been very dangerous. 
And so he understands. He understands that everybody's got busy lives. He understands that everybody's got stuff going on. He understands. And so he says, my first defense, all forsook me. But may it not be charged against them. That's grace. May it not, may it not be charged against them. Lord, I understand what they're going through. I understand why they couldn't be here with me. But you know, it's okay. You know why? Because Paul says in the next verse, but the Lord stood with me. Now, someone who's not a Christian doesn't understand how that works. That's on the inside. The Lord stood with me, and he strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. So Paul never was lacking for opportunity (laughs) to preach the gospel to powerful people. He'd preached and given his testimony during a couple other times. That guy was always in trouble. He was always in trouble. Always before some governor or some other, you know, political person. And there he is sharing his testimony. Any chance he got, he shared a testimony about what the Lord Jesus Christ had done in his life. And so here he is again. Some say it's quite possible that Paul the Apostle shared his testimony in front of Emperor Nero. And it was after that that Nero went nuts. Now, I don't know, I'm not a history buff, but you can do some research on that. But he says, and this is the important thing, when you feel alone, recognize that the Lord stands with you. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But you have to have a relationship with him to know that. I was at a wedding yesterday talking with a guy I'd met there. He had come up and made some comments on the, the sermon afterwards. And, and, and again, you know, I'm always looking to turn the conversation to about, you know, how I got saved and, and was he saved or not. And, uh, Anyway, we were talking about loneliness and how that was the thing in my life that you can be surrounded with people and still be very lonely and still feel very alone. And that was my story. I always had to have the TV on or I always had to be with people. And I'm a very extroverted person, but the Lord has, uh, through my relationship with him, allowed me to, be, uh, to enjoy uh, quiet times as well. I'm still an extrovert. Those of you that know me know that that is true. Uh, But not to the degree, not because of a need that I have, because of loneliness. And it's a a work that the Lord has done in my heart to know that I can be sitting in in a room anywhere. I can be by myself and I always have the Lord's presence with me. And I can talk to Him. And He can speak to my heart and we can discuss what's going on. And to know that, to have that personal relationship with God to where he's, He's a friend. And so Paul knows that. He says, and the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that the Gentiles might hear, those that were the the pagans, the the non-Jews. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, not exactly sure what that means. Does that mean that Paul had been uh, in, um, in the Roman Colosseum being, you know, where they had the, they put the, the, the uh, Christians in the Colosseum set the lions free. Uh, probably not because Paul was a Roman citizen. That wouldn't have been uh, what he was talking about. Uh, it could have been that uh, some uh, interaction with Nero. It could be that Nero was the lion that he's speaking about. Not sure that maybe he got a reprieve for a little while. Uh, it also could be that he's making a reference to Psalm 22. There's a sort of a very... Si- Similar nature to that psalm as what we see here. So we don't really know, but nonetheless, he said, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work 
and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. And this is what makes Paul rejoice. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Now, it's almost like he could finish the letter right there, but he goes on to greet some people. And as we read these things, and as we've read some of these others about Luke and, and some of the others like Tychicus that have been with him, I just want to talk to you for a minute about friendships in the Lord. And I wonder if you went to travel somewhere, if you had to leave Fluvanna County like some have, Karin and Mike are moving down to Texas, and, and you wrote a letter back to us. Hey, how's so-and-so doing? Hey, can you let so-and-so know that, that, I'm, that we're, we made it here safely? Who would be on your list? Would it be a long list or a short list of relationships? Let's just read and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we close. Verse 19, Paul says, Greet Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila. Those were two uh, phenomenal people. Paul met them. Uh, they worked the same job. And uh, Priscilla and Aquila had been kicked out of Rome and, uh, and had settled down there, uh, I believe, in Corinth. And we, we, um, that's where uh, Paul meets them. And uh, they open up their home to him and welcome him in to, to their home. And probably he leads them to the Lord. And they develop this long relationship with one another. Matter of fact, the, the church often met in their home. They'd serve the Lord together. And the household of Onesiphorus, say that ten times fast. He shows up in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy as the guy who's uh, often refreshed Paul. Just someone who was an encourager. Someone who just had a mind and a heart to bless people. So he says, greet, greet him. Erastus stayed in Corinth. This guy was the treasurer of Corinth. He was in a political position. He was on the board of supervisors. He was a treasurer there in Corinth, and so he stayed there. But Antrophemus, I have left in Miletus sick. Now that's an interesting verse because we know that even Paul's sweatbands healed people. But evidently Trophimus uh, was sick, and so Paul had to move on without him. And then he says to Timothy, do your utmost to come before winter. And Timothy, do whatever you can uh, to come and, and make it here. Maybe Paul thinks he's not going to make it through the winter. So Timothy, do what you can to come and see me before the winter time. And it's, it's a lot harder to travel in those days in the winter. Eubulus greets you as well as Pudens. Linus, who we know something about, this is probably the Linus that becomes the first bishop of the church in Rome. Claudia and all the brethren. One of the things I love about these personal letters is it gives us some insight and we can imagine the relationships that they shared because of their uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And as I look around the room, I just appreciate so much the people, you people, that We've walked together for years. Some of you, we've been walking together in the Lord for 17, 18 years. Serving God, going through this, going through that, traveling here, traveling there, being part of the Lord's work. And it is such a, a, a relationship deepening thing when you serve together. It's like being in the army. You know, and this is sort of, there's a very military feel to all this as we read from Paul. As he's just, the, the relationships that he had. And the people that he knew and the people that had blessed him and the people he had blessed. And let me tell you something. I share with the young couples that one of the most important things in our Christian life, my wife and I, 
is the fact that from when we first started walking with the Lord, um, we found other couples, other young couples that were also walking the same direction as us, and we've been getting to know them and walking with them for, for years since we got saved. And it is so very valuable in your life. But to have a friend, the Bible says, one must first be friendly. Amen. You have to make an effort because we tend to be very isolated these days, don't we? Our homes are more closed than they used to be, and our lives are more busy than they used to be. And you have to make time. And a great way to get to know people is by serving alongside of them. You know, get involved in the children's ministry. Go on a mission trip. Get involved with setting up chairs. And you, through that, you develop relationships. And then when you move away, we don't go, who was that again? We don't, know, we don't really know who that was. Who was that? What? No, I, I don't know who that is. I pray that people would know you and that you'd have relationships in the Lord because those, this is Paul's, this is his sayonara. He says this is the Apostle Paul signing off. And here the last words out of his mouth were, were the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, Timothy. Grace be with you. Amen. Amen. And the final thing he talks about, he's encouraging Timothy's spirit because timothy was a little bit cowardice and we talked about that and he's just remembering his friends how would your list look i forget how many 20 some names in in this letter of people that cross paths and and as they say now they did life together and i don't really like using corny catchy statements like that but it's true his life serving the lord the church and I don't mean the church, the organization. I mean the church, the body of Christ, was what Paul's life revolved around. And in that, he had developed relationships with some wonderful people. And they fought together. They ran together. They served together. And they cried together. And they rejoiced together. And at the end, I think those things are going to be uh, the things that are very, very meaningful. Don't you? So if you don't have those, if you'd write a letter and, and go, I'm not really sure there's anybody you can greet because I never really took the time to get to know anybody there, then I would highly suggest you begin to figure out how we can make time to develop these relationships. I mean, I just remember you know, the, the closeness with Frank and Vicky Signoretti. I'm looking at Brad and Stephanie Halfacre, and there's many others that if I wrote a letter, I'd be like, man, greet them, and what's going on with that, and greet, just because... It's like being in the trenches together, isn't it? So, um, that's where we leave 2 Timothy. I hope it's been encouraging to you. I hope it's been challenging to you in a lot of ways. It's been a good book. And uh, I look forward to Titus, the final of the pastoral epistles. And then from there, uh, Titus is only three chapters. And then we'll head into the gospel according to the beloved disciple, John. And I think that will be a very exciting study together. So, uh, Phil, if you would come up. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, uh, I pray that, that those here would be finishers. Lord, I pray that as you know, the current of this world is strong and as the Relationships are slippery and there's creatures everywhere and the water's cold. Father, I pray that, that you would encourage us to press on, 
to the high calling of Jesus Christ. And we trust you, Lord, that you're holding us, carrying us the whole way. Father, just ignite our hearts with confidence, with love, with full assurance that our salvation is secure as long as we are abiding in you. And anyone here, Lord, that um, still does not know where they're going to go when they depart, Father, I pray that they would cry out to you, the author and finisher of our faith, looking to you, Lord, for salvation, so that they might know and appreciate the freedom that comes as we pass from this life to the next. Pour out your spirit on us, Lord. We need endurance. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand and...